You are listening to episode 171 of This Is Type 1. Today we are talking about preventing burnout. So there are a lot of factors that can push somebody to hitting their burnout limits and reaching that pivotal point of hitting burnout. From school, stress, sports, working out, work in general, and having multiple of these things to do in a day, or even just going through your day-to-day tasks and checking things off. For diabetics, it can be especially damaging to hit burnout. For one, both your blood sugar and two, your mental health as well. And the daily reality of being diabetic, you cannot let some certain things slip, like testing your blood sugar or taking insulin for food that you ate. So a part of burnout avoidance is preventing burnout in the first place and actually taking care of yourself as soon as you realize you could potentially be burnt out within the next day or two, or even the next two or three weeks, even ahead of time. It's kind of become clear from the interviews that we've done on this podcast that how people experience burnout will actually differ because we are individuals. So with that in mind, preventing burnout is also going to differ from T1D to T1D. That means if you hear some stuff from us that might not work for you, if you hear some stuff from another diabetic in a Facebook group or some other kind of community, know that it might not work for you, even if it does work for them. So with that in mind, uh, we're both going to share some things that we do to help prevent our burnout. And uh, some of this might still qualify as stuff that we do if we are in burnout to help get us out of it, but doing them ahead of time can also prevent it. So Jesse, we'll start with you. All right. So these are just a few of the things that I do to kind of one for help prevent burnout. And then also to kind of like keep me from going there and like kind of is a good reality check of, Oh, you're not going to be a failure if you take a step back from one thing. So one thing that I don't do a lot, but I would say like, Every well, I haven't done this for like two years, except for this last week. Is like I got my nails done recently, and I absolutely love them, and they're really cute, and they're so fun. I talk with my hands a lot now, but it's just one of those things that like it takes an hour out of my day. Yeah, it costs some money to get them done professionally and stuff, but it it just it takes an hour out of my whole day, out of my whole week, and every time I look at my cute little hands. It always is a good reminder of how happy this one thing can make me feel and how happy I felt in that moment when I was like, oh, these are so cute. Oh, I'm having so much fun. I'm so relaxed. So it's also like a good pull reminder of like, this is how you felt. This is how you can feel again. Why aren't you feeling this this way? And it's a good like self-reflective tool as well. But yeah, that's like one of the little things I do to get pampered a little bit sometimes. And then I kind of practice this thing called little by little. So instead of doing all of my homework in one day or two days, which is like 12 hours worth of homework, because I picked a really hard degree. So even in high school too, like for everybody who's listening, who's in high school or middle school, and you have a lot of homework, or like you feel really overwhelmed from like multiple sources giving you things to do or saying you should do this thing just do it little by little like one at a time like oh yeah i feel really good about this half of the assignment let me stop here go get a snack go take a break walk away and either come back later to do something else or come back and finish that assignment and get yeah what you need to get done done 
one thing I another thing is I go to the gym a lot, probably like three to five times a week on average like recently. One, it's not only good for your body to like take care of yourself, it's also good for your diabetes. And when you work out, you get a dopamine release after you get done because your body's like, oh, I'm pushing myself. I'm getting my cardiovascular system up. I'm working out my muscle systems and my muscle groups. So your brain is actually triggering a dopamine response, which is the brain chemical that causes people to feel happiness and joy. So that's been a really big help recently, like even forcing myself, not forcing, but generally understanding that like, oh, I should go to the gym today, even for a half an hour or like even 20 minutes and just either being on one machine and just doing like a circuit of squats or, you know, running the treadmill or doing the Stairmaster just for my peace of mind. And also it does help with your blood sugar control and staying consistent with it too. And then taking a break, like walking away or doing something else or doing something different when I know I'm feeling stressed. So like, Today, I went to was on campus from about 8 a.m. to about 5.20-ish today. And that's a long time to be doing schoolwork. And that, that's all I did when I was on campus was just school. So tonight, instead of immediately doing homework and finishing some stuff up, I'm going to go to the grocery store for like an hour or two, get food I actually do need to live, and then come back make dinner and do homework at the same time and get some stuff finished up. So definitely taking that mental break, both from your surroundings and from like whatever mental thing you're doing as well. And then hanging out with new or other people. So we can get like, not only very stuck in ourselves, but we can get stuck in other people and friendships as well is what I've noticed, or at least with most women or people people in general, we can get stuck in these friendships who we could become codependent with. And so taking those breaks of, oh, I got friends with this other person who I haven't seen for a couple of weeks, or oh, maybe, you know what, this time I'm okay. And I, I want to do some like private time and like have a second to myself. So hanging out with new people, other people, making new friends is always a big relief when it comes to burnout too, because you can also if some if your best friend is i'm totally burnt out and like kind of trauma dumps all of their bad things that are happening to them onto you or just telling you about them that can be a lot and so hanging out with new people and you don't necessarily have to talk about those things or like you don't you might not want to or because you're a new friend you don't want to necessarily trauma dump on them immediately not really a good thing please don't do that but that can definitely help with burnout, preventing burnout, getting out of a burnout is like making somebody like a new friend and doing stuff like that. Another thing I do is like I find an activity that I can do with my hands when I'm relaxing as well is like, so I recently really want to start knitting because when I'm sitting and just listening to lectures and stuff like that, I feel really anxious because my body isn't doing anything. So by giving my hands something to do, it's preventing not only anxiety, it's preventing spiraling thoughts, it's keeping my body focused on something while my brain can solely focus on watching a lecture online or something like that. So definitely having like those sensory things can help prevent burnout in a sense and like anxiety and stuff like that. Because sometimes, you know, you're sitting there and you're like, oh, I'm not doing anything, but your brain's actively doing something, but your body feels anxious. So 
it's a good way of preventing that. <laughs> and as you were talking, I was just thinking that a lot of the stuff that we're talking about is really just self-care. And the more that we do these self-care practices, the less likely we are to experience burnout. So making your own list, especially if you know your own triggers for burnout or your warning signs for burnout, that's the tr- like the, the cue to start implementing all of these self-care things. Not that you have to do them all immediately, but try to incorporate one or two of those into your everyday routine just so you have something to fall back on and you know you're not burning yourself out for like not having these self-care practices. So a few of mine, I, I wrote more down as Jesse was talking. He's like, oh yeah, I do that too. But the top one that I put was take a nap or go to bed early. I feel like I'm well known in my two-person household to go to bed early if I'm feeling annoyed with my blood sugar. Or uh, if I have a high that is pretty stubborn and I've just bolused a lot, I just go to sleep so that I can not experience the annoyingness of it coming down. So I really like taking naps and getting a lot more sleep because sleep is good. Another one is uh, changing my infusion site or my sensor, especially if one of those two things is the source of my negative thoughts about it. And so if I am trying to eke a couple days or like an extra day out of my infusion site, but my number's just not coming down, I'll just bite the bullet and change the infusion site. Same thing with the sensor. If it starts cutting out or... Yeah, just pretty much if it starts cutting out and it's not reliable and I have to keep calibrating it or I have to keep checking my blood sugar instead, then changing that thing helps change the circumstance so that I'm less frustrated by it. I also will ask my husband to watch my blood sugar, usually on my phone because my phone will read to my pump. And I sometimes have him make diabetes decisions for me, especially when we're driving and I'm annoyed with my blood sugar, but I also can't input a number or can't input a bolus while I'm driving. So I hand him the pump and he does it. And he'll uh, I'll also ask his decision for his diabetes decisions when I'm just mentally exhausted and I don't want to make decisions. And I've gotten a lot better recently about identifying for myself when I'm in that space where I know I have to make a decision about diabetes, but I am so mentally drained and exhausted that I don't want to do it. And so I just delegate it to my husband and then I'll you know, I'll either do it or I won't, but it's the principle that, that counts is handing that decision off to him. I'll also vent or cry to uh, my husband, my endocrinologist, or my coach, just because getting those emotions out, processing them, talking about your feelings, talking about the things that are bothering you, just getting them out of your system and out of your head is a really great way to take care of your brain. I personally like doing brain dumps on paper because once you get those sentences out of your head and onto paper, you can see how ridiculous some of them are. Just the things that our brains come up with. We don't have to believe everything our brains come up with, but a lot of the times we do. And if we take the time to dump those onto paper, we can see how stupid they are and then decide consciously not to think them anymore. I also like taking baths. Baths are nice, especially with bath bombs or Epsom salts. Uh, they just It's a nice way to unwind and relax and take away some of the stress of the day. And that can help with the diabetes as well. I also like going on walks, especially during the workday. Although recently going on those walks, especially at the time that I have picked, seems to be when my manager calls. <laughs> so I've started taking my work phone on those walks. So I can still work while I'm walking, but... It feels like it's better processing because I'm getting the exercise and I'm just getting the fresh air. And uh, I remember one time I, I left on my walk and like maybe two minutes later, my manager called and I was like, oh, yeah, I'm just taking a walk. And he's like, oh, good for you. Like, yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Got that validation. 
Another thing to help prevent burnout for me is to say no or set boundaries with work or even with myself. So I know at my workplace right now, uh, the office that I'm in has a tendency to put more on the plates of the people instead of figuring out who has the actual correct workload. It's more like volunteering people or volunteering others. And so because I know my limits and I'm very clear about what I can handle in a certain like capacity, saying no has really helped with my stress levels. And I think it's also inspiring some of the other people in the office who have not had the comfort level with being able to say no or set boundaries like that. Another thing I do is, and this does not happen very often, is clearing my calendar just to do stuff that I want to do, not stuff that I think I need to do. And my favorite example of this one was uh, taking an entire day of paid time off or PTO to work on, I think it was actually book one of my series. It might have been might have been book two. It might have been an early draft of book two. But I took an entire day off of work just to work on writing. And I thought that was a great use of my time. And it helped kind of ease the stress that I felt for getting that draft done under my timeline that I had set for myself. So making that decision and actually following through on it was really was really fun. Other things that really helped me are journaling or self-coaching. I also like planning. So planning my week, doing brain dumps, like I said earlier, getting into my calendar and moving things around so that I have more resembles what I want like my ideal week to look like. I'll also get coached. Uh, I have plenty of friends from my certification cohort who are totally available to coach me. I'm also in some business mentorships that are great at coaching. So I have lots of access to coaching. And I utilize it as much as I, I can because I know that it works and it really helps my brain feel better. <laughs> and if my brain feels better, then diabetes is better as well. Another big one is getting a change of scenery. So not just going on walks, but uh, hiking, especially. So you all know if you've been listening for this, this whole year, I've been going on at least one hike a week. And as of this recording, I've done 46 hikes. And I just I love getting out into nature and sometimes going without earbuds. So not listening to anything, sometimes just having the recorder, like their voice recorder open. And so I can record my thoughts. And sometimes you guys get bonus episodes from those hikes because I just have some stream of consciousness and it ends up on the podcast. And the last one I have here is just looking at hilarious pictures of my cat. Mostly because a couple of days ago, I got her mid yawn on my phone. And like the progression from her not yawning to yawning to full yawn so funny. And it turns out that my husband now has that full yawn picture as his lock screen. And I cannot stop laughing every time I see it. So not just petting your your animals, but also getting hilarious pictures of them. You can go back and, and remind yourself how funny it is because laughter is the best medicine besides insulin, right? So again, if you know your triggers for burnout, if you know those warning signs, that is the time to implement your self-care list, to implement all of those things that you have identified for yourself to help you prevent burnout. Jesse, do you have any final thoughts? It's good to know what causes burnout in you. And it's also good to know what causes burnout in those around you. So you can also kind of self-reflect and see if that some of those shared commonalities between you and like, say, a family member or a friend are they're both very similar or they're like coinciding with each other or you're both feeling burned out. So it's definitely good to like recognize how others are doing, but specifically how you're doing yourself. All right. Now it's your turn. Identify what your burnout triggers are and make a list of the things that you know for sure can help you avoid burnout. 
For more ideas from the community, so not just Jesse and me, you can join the Half Dead Pancreas Club on Discord and ask your fellow type 1 diabetics what they do. And you can join that by going to inspiredforward.com slash community. Remember, you control your diabetes. It doesn't control you. Hey, if you like what you're listening to on this podcast, you have to join us in the Half Dead Pancreas Club. It's my private community where you'll connect face-to-face with other people with type 1 diabetes, get personalized emotional support, and learn how to handle anything T1D throws at you. Join us over at inspiredforward.com community. I can't wait to see you there.